Welcome to the Ask Brian Podcast Radio Show, where you'll hear from some of the most successful founders and CEOs of businesses and startups, sharing their best advice for success, and even some stories on how their mistakes actually make them even more successful. Now, here are your hosts, Brian and Tracy. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You're listening to the Ash Brian Radio Show on KHS 1220 98.1 FM. Well, glad to be back in the studio. I've been out in South Dakota, Belfouche. Nobody knows where that is and probably uh, still don't know. Anyway, every week we have a show called Ask Brian, A-S-K-B-R-I-E-N. And each week we do this to educate and help people out on business terms and business information. But... People really don't understand why Brian is spelled with an E. Everybody tells me when I was growing up, everybody I knew Brian was B-R-Y-A-N or B-R-I-A-N. And why are you spelling Brian with an E? I mean, I could understand if you're Irish and you're one of the O'Brien family. You know, and no pun intended on Irish people. I love Irish people. But there are a lot of O'Briens out there, and they spell it with an E. But Normally, for a first name, it's not a B R I E N. It's a Y A N or an I A N, and you know. And my name is Peter, so why? <laughs> you know, why are you spelling it with an E? But we have a resident expert here. Okay, expert. And, That's and, an E. In order to qualify for that, he had to be a Mets and Jets fan because <laughs> they also have E's in their name. And obviously, if we didn't have an E in there, he couldn't be here. If he was a Giant fan or or Yankee fan, well, Yankees have E's, so I guess he might might be able to make it. If you were a Yankee fan. Anyway, so give us some reasons. Okay, we've got about five or six. We're not going to go through every one because, you know, some people like to say, I wanted to call in for an interview, and now all I'm hearing about is E's and Brian. That's not what I'm listening. Right, and we don't want to exhaust our guests. Another E, yes. Exactly. Well, I'm prepared to do this today. I'm exhausted just talking about this. Take a break. I'll do it. I'll take a break. I'm fully prepared for this, and by the way, hi, Tracy. Um, you know, I uh, just had lunch. I had but Tracy a... does not have an E in her name. I think we're going to change no. her name from T-R-A-C-I yeah. to E-Y so we can have a, an E in it. We'll forgive her. I just had a pokey bowl for lunch with that amami in it. I mean, it's pretty good. Well, and, 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 and my name such a stretch that it's just like a big stretch. Pokey. Well, that's because he's, he's from my town. And people from my town are like that. Like, my name is Peter, and there are two E's in there. <laughs> well, okay. This is, this is, how can we be going south so fast in this? Like, just, do you want me to start talking like an Alabaman? Because, <laughs> oh, no. gosh golly gee, I can talk like an Alabaman if I want to. No pun intended on the Alabamans. Uh, 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 I'm going to okay, take over. I don't even me. know what you're doing. I don't even know what you're doing right now. But COVID is definitely affecting your brain. Well, Woo! writing the course here, there's many reasons why we uh, spell Ask Brian with an E. And the first one is E is for education because we try to educate our listeners each week about business. Well, that's a good concept, educate. I mean, educate could mean a lot of things, so give us an example of education. An example of education. Oh, <laughs> putting me on the spot here. Uh, well, I mean, well, it's called Matt on the spot. Matt on the spot. You're I going mean, off the script, Peter. You're going off the going script. I've never been on script. Ever. I'm the Donald Trump radio host. Anyway, so let's go here. That's not a compliment. <laughs> yes, but it will get 
people going, and that's well, the whole key. Here's about. an example of educating. Example people has about, an e in it. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> but we've had people. We've had uh, the gentleman from Sip Loki, which is the cannabis infused drink. We've had people from uh, the different food companies, from all kinds of different walks of business. So we're going to throw one question at you, and then we're going to continue on. A newbie one. All right. What is the <laughs> best thing that you've learned listening to this show since you've been doing it? Hmm. I'm going to incorporate ease in it. Expect the unexpected with Peter, because you never know where this guy's going to go. Well, and I just think it's important to note that the one interview of all the interviews we've done, you remember, was the cannabis and soft software. I may have done some uh, background research on that one after the show. But. The irony is not lost on me that the Sipology is the one expert you remember. Well, don't, don't make me go off key because I, I, the next thing I'm going to say is, are you aware of what law they passed in Colorado this time? They passed the law on psychedelic mushrooms are now legal in Colorado. No, that's too much. Yeah, too so, much. Too much for me. So uh, we're probably gonna have we're probably gonna have someone from Colorado on next week with you know psychedelic mushrooms. I like so. my mushrooms sautéed, <laughs> a little Salisbury sauce on my. All right, leg. so now that we have a military clock, so when it's no longer one fifteen anymore, it's now thirteen fifteen. Okay, let's go over a couple reasons quickly because we got about another minute or two before we gotta really get into this show. Right. So uh, E is also for experience because experience counts, right, Peter? Absolutely. I mean. Experience is what makes it, you know, if you don't have the experience, if you haven't been through something, you don't understand how it works. He is also for enthusiasm. Being enthusiastic leads to... Excitement! Yep. <laughs> that right there. Excitement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if we haven't already lost our guest, which I don't think we have, because I think we're pretty... It's not a guest that we lost, it's the listeners, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's my example of being empathetic to Sabina here. He is another example. I was like, should I stay quiet now or should I say, no, no, I'm still here. Good, good. We didn't lose you yet. Thank God. Thank God. You're the only one at this point. Well, he's also for empathy because being in someone else's shoes helps you to understand your audience, your customers, and products and services. So we got to get going here. So we're going to do the last one. And I'm going to start it off, and she's going to answer it. So, Tracy, what, what's the deal with Grease Lightning? Oh, that's my most favorite, which is that we are electrifying. Grease Lightning electrified. Woo! Grease right. Lightning electrified, and my southern accent is for real. And mine is fake. And not. <laughs> Just like the fake news. All right, so... <laughs> <laughs> Without any further ado, and Matt, why do I love that word? I think you really like the movie The Sound of Music. <laughs> I do. I do. Auf Wiedersehen, goodbye. But a do is spelled A-D-O, not A-D-O. Oh, my God. Uh, no, it's because a do, A-D-I-E-U, all of the letters are a vowel. Or no, rather. Yeah. No, just one is a consonant, the D. The rest are vowels. Something like that. Is that I, why? I guess I guess like after twelve years doing this, I guess you learned something. I got a little too excited. <laughs> it's the first time you've been in studio in a month. I think you've had one too many slip lotions, myself. Yes, maybe. Well, Possibly. don't don't worry because next week I'm going to bring in ten Red Bulls. All right, so. Oh Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Matt. We really appreciate it. Someday when we expand the show to six hour show, you can do that for an hour. All right. 
So we have a guest, and the name of the company is What If Foods. Uh, is that the correct name, Sabina? That is absolutely correct. Yes. And is it because is it called What If Foods because you just didn't you wanted to create a food company and you didn't know what to do, so you just said What If, and I'll just figure <laughs> it out after that. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, before we get into that, well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show, but there's just so many cues that I um, can just tap into right away. I love the ease. First of all, my name has an E and a two, so hopefully an eligible guest on the show, which is awesome. Oh, I do live on Maui, so the pokey, the E and pokey sounds very familiar, which is super awesome. We asked ourselves a lot of questions, and that is actually how the company got started a couple of years ago. And I have known Chris, Chris Langwalner from What Is Foods. He is the CEO and co-founder since a couple of years now. And um, coincidentally, there was another cue. I heard the sound of music. We are both from Austria, where the hills are very much alive, hence the long last names. And um, Chris was um, pretty much fed up with the food industry. He worked in the food industry for... 30 plus years, and he started to ask himself questions, mostly around the fact is like, why are we still feeding people with empty calories? Why are we still using practices that just deplete the land and degrade our soils and, and so forth? So it really started with a question. So what if we could make this planet a better planet? What if we could have some more healthier food? in our daily diets, that's really how it all came about. And um, a fun fact in the beginning was that our logo, which is now a speech bubble, actually started out as a question mark. But we transitioned away from that because um, we're trying to keep answers to all these questions that we ask ourselves when we develop our product. And now we transitioned into a speech bubble because we want to start a conversation. And um, as it looks like, what if really does start a conversation because people tend to ask us where the name comes from. And, and it's great because you're on Ask Brian. And if you noticed, Ask Brian, A-S-K is a quote, okay? Because you're supposed to be asking Brian, and it's a quote, and we're chatting as well. So we have a very, very similar background in how we started. So people want to know a little bit about your background. So that was great sure. on, on what if and how it started. But what is your background? Yeah, we don't need everything from fifth grade on, but uh, which, would yeah. be, which would only be three yeah. years, but go ahead. <laughs> I'll start, let's see. Born and raised in Austria, and I did work for a, another um, beverage company when I was in Austria, which I think you mentioned in your intro as well. I actually worked for Red Bull, the energy drink company, for 10 years, and I was in the headquarters, which is headquartered in Austria because it is an Austrian drink, and I was doing sports marketing there. So my background is sports marketing. I was overseeing and overlooking the whole strategic side of things at Red Bull when it came to sports marketing. I was managing athletes and organizing events, and um, every single athlete that is now still a Red Bull athlete at some point came over our desks in the headquarters. And this is actually what brought me to Maui, because after I left Red Bull quite a while ago now, it's been 10 years, I kept working for one of the athletes that I managed when I was still in Austria, and that's what brought me to Maui. So I relocated a couple of years ago, and it's going to tie back into the What If Food story, because at my time at Red Bull, I was working with a dear friend of mine and a colleague who I hired at the time, and his name was Patrick. And Patrick happens to be the cousin of our CEO at Sports Foods at the time. Obviously, I did not know anything about that. But when I go home for holidays or just visiting family, I usually also just um, go for coffees with my friends. And I met up with Patrick 
just for coffee. And Patrick started drawing things on a napkin in in a cafe um, where we were meeting up. And um, and I looked at him and I said, Patrick, this idea and what you're telling me right now and what you're drawing up on this napkin is so big. You guys, like, you need a bigger audience. And at the time, I was already living on Maui, but I was putting on and organizing. I was the COO of a nonprofit organization that was putting on um, startup competitions for up-and-coming companies in the tech world, but not only. And one of the events that we did, it was our final, was held on Necker Island, which is Richard Branson's private island. And I said to him, look, you have a really big idea. This needs to be heard by the right audience. And I invited him and his cousin, who is Chris, the co-founder of What If Foods, to come to Necker Island, join us for that event. And he did a presentation there on the nutritional paradox at the time, because What If Foods did not exist at the time. The brand itself didn't exist at the time. But he gave us a little um, rundown of the things that were about to come. And that's how I met Chris. And uh, ever since, I started working together with him. So when did the company start? So the company itself started, I want to say about six or probably now almost seven years ago, because it started out as a science-based slash, I don't want to call it tech company, but they wanted to find a way to make instant noodles or ramen healthy. And it was mostly done on the technology side. And it was under a different name and whatnot. So they developed the technology first. And then What If Foods got incorporated, we launched the brand in 2020. And Singapore, because that's where the company is located at, originally located at, I shall say, the R&D team is still there. Originally, we started in 2020 in Singapore and then spread out to other markets, And uh, which was tough because we started during the pandemic. It was May of 2020 when we launched our first product. And is your product sold only in Asia or is it sold worldwide? So um, we started out in Singapore because obviously that was the natural market because the, the headquarters are located there. But then we spread out. We are now selling in Singapore, Malaysia, Australia, New Zealand. And since a few months, since actually May of this year, we started to sell in the United States. So we have arrived in the U.S. Now your product is, uh, what is it gluten-free, keto? What's the deal on that? We have two product categories. One is the noodles that I already mentioned, and the second category is our plant-based milk. And uh, we might want to talk about our main ingredient in just a little bit because it also ties back into the whole what a food story of trying to really reinventing the food industry category by category. The noodles, they are not gluten-free, but what we did with the noodles is we took out the whole deep-frying process. This is an industry that has been around for 60 plus years and we kind of revolutionized that industry because we took out deep frying, um, we're air frying and by that we have reduced the fat content, for example, by I want to say between 40 and 50% right off the bat and we're not using any palm oil anymore. By doing that, the cool side effect is is that obviously our noodles um, retain all the nutritional ingredients or, or aspects of it and also they retain their color because if you fry something in, in a ton of palm oil, obviously it like loses the color, loses the nutrients and all that. The main reason to do that is like keeping noodles shelf stable for a long, long, long time. But by taking that out, we can actually keep the nutrients in, we can retain the colors. And our plant-based milk is made of the same uh, ingredient, which is called Bambara groundnut, and it is a 
milk alternative. And so what is that main ingredient that you have in both your products that you said that, that was how, what if foods had, had started with? Yeah, I can totally tell you about our main ingredient. So it is called the Bambara groundnut. And the Bambara groundnut is a legume, which is probably not really known over here yet. In all honesty, I have not heard about Bambara groundnut before I started working for Water Food. It is a legume. It is related to peanuts. It grows, for example, in, we get ours from Ghana right now, but it also grows in Southeast Asia. It grows on degraded land, which is an amazing property because if you have soil that has been depleted for many, many years by just planting the same things over and over again, this tiny little or mighty legume actually fixes nitrogen back into the ground because it has a very extensive root system. And like I said, it can grow on very poor soil and it actually rejuvenates degraded soil, which is super awesome. The other amazing thing about Bambara groundnut that it has a ton of really awesome nutritional benefits, like it's very high in protein. It has all the macro and micronutrients that we need in our daily diet. It has natural iron and it has a ton of fiber as well. So both our noodles and our milk, the main ingredient is the Bambara groundnut. At this time, we have our co-host Tracy who does a pivot. <laughs> You have really latched on to my, my passion for pivoting. <laughs> Trying to say that in front of a microphone three times really fast without well, popping your peas. Well, I used to play, okay. I used to play <laughs> basketball and I used to like to pivot. All right, go ahead. I, yeah, I bet you were really good at that. I actually okay. was. So, oh, I can't believe it. I'm testing it. Back to our guest who has fascinating information to share. So, being an influencer is all the rage right now. People are even staging <laughs> fake photo shoots to become influencers. I saw a picture the other day of someone who was staging a photo shoot of a pool, and they literally had their head in a baby pool. And that, and then they had someone taking the picture above them to make it look like that they were, like, you know, an influencer in some big fancy pool. But they weren't. It was a baby pool <laughs> in a trailer park yard. So... The reason I'm bringing this up is because you have so much great experience in working with athletes and celebrities and tying them in with brands, and everybody wants to know what are brands looking for in terms of influencers, and how is that trend just becoming a little too trendy right now? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I've been, I've been working with influencers for like over 20 years now. I was in a super lucky position that 20 years ago when I started to work for Red Bull in that case. It wasn't really that big because especially in, in what we did back then, um, also extreme sports were not that big. And, and we kind of like almost invented some categories in, in that field. And I would say influencers in general are definitely still a trend because the best thing for a brand that can happen is if you have somebody else, like a third party in that case, talk about you and love you and tell the consumers how awesome you are and why they're using your product. However, all that said, like it has to be like my number one premise in, in, in that scenario is they have to fully, fully 1000% believe in the brand, the product and whatever you're selling. And it has to be super credible because otherwise nowadays, because influencers are very well known, consumers quickly see through it if, if somebody doesn't do it in a credible way because they instantly know like, ah, uh, that person is just probably maybe doing it for the money. They get paid, and that's why they're 
putting out these posts and these reels and, and whatnot. So it has to be a really tight connection and you want to have your influencer tie into your brand 1000%. Because otherwise it's going to backfire very quickly and very easily. What do you think a brand's challenges in terms of managing these influencers? Because there's so many credibility factors that come into place. Yeah. And I know there's a big conversation around brand safety right now. Can you talk a little bit about how brands are evaluating brand safety and how they're managing that? Yeah, I mean, the good thing is nowadays, because influencers are, are, are such a trend, there's multiple ways of looking into somebody. There's multiple platforms out there where you can see everything from demographics to engagement rates to obviously their, their posts and also their brand affiliations and, and whatnot. However, that's usually algorithms and of course it's just brought together on, on platforms and whatnot. I'm a huge fan of just talking to them in person because you can very easily see when you really talk to somebody face-to-face or on a Zoom call nowadays what their passions are what they are curious and excited about and then just really make a really valid decision if you want to work with that person. So I'm a huge fan of just getting the conversation started, getting to know the person because you, you tend to find out very quickly, are they just, do they just want to do it because they're getting paid for it or do they actually really believe what the company is doing? But we see this right now with the influencers that I work with at What If Foods because we're trying to build up a really credible network of ambassadors as well. People are really interested in brands that have a very purpose-driven mission. And at What If Foods, we end up, we share everything with them and we don't BS them. <laughs> because there's a lot of brands out there that have great marketing strategies, but if you look a little bit underneath the slogans, the taglines, you sometimes very quickly find that there's a lot of hot air and, and there's not a lot of substance. And that's the cool thing also from the influencer side. They tend to educate themselves a lot more these days. And they also want to have partnerships that really work for them. So ultimately, that's a win-win situation. But I always encourage personal interactions to figure out if it's a, a fit for the brand. One of the things that we haven't talked about is your involvement in nonprofit organizations. So not only are you a branding expert and work with all these amazing global brands, but you've also run several nonprofits. Talk to us a little bit about your experience in that and, and how did how did one connect with the other or are they mutually exclusive? No, I don't want to say that they're mutually exclusive because a lot of the premises are very similar when it just comes to plain like marketing, putting on events, working with ambassadors and whatnot. Of course the great advantage of a nonprofit is they're already legit. Like you have your 501c3 letter ready to go and you can show that as a proof to, to your folks, to your people, to your tribe. And that's an external legitimation factor, if that's the right word. When it comes to branding or putting on events, it, it's not that different. But if the company, whether it's non-profit or full profit, like probably rather on the full profit side, if it has something to stand for, if it has a transparent and honest mission, an ambassador, an influencer, I think would not mind working for either or, or supporting either one of the two if it really aligns with, with the purpose of what they're doing as well. I love everything about branding and marketing and there's so much going on with new platforms. Obviously, there's a lot of question around the future of Twitter. So in terms of 
branding and marketing strategy where you are right now, whether it's with focusing on what if or just in general, what are some of your favorite platforms for building brands right now? What are some of the things that you're really in love with that you're seeing work well for brands? Yeah, I think you always have to, first of all, look who you're talking to and who your target consumer is. Because that ultimately gives you the answer of, of what the most appropriate platform um, that you might want to utilize the most is. Maybe as an example for, for What If Foods again, our main target audience is probably the current Gen Z generation because those are really the ones that are really critical right now that really have this anxiety around climate change and, and all these things. So we want to be on platforms, obviously, where the Gen Z is present. So right now, of course, TikTok is definitely a platform that we are looking at but that said I wouldn't want to only be exclusively there because especially in a case like what if foods where we have so many things to talk about some are on the light some are on the more serious side I think the content also asks for the right platform TikTok Instagram obviously it's bite sizes it's light we really want to transport our lust for life and our positivity there that we are a company that actually is set out to change the food industry to to change what we eat every day and to support and regenerate soils the planet work with our farming communities and whatnot so that's our light side of things but then of course we can also back it up with scientific facts with all the knowledge that we have when we started and, and developing all these technologies and whatnot. And, and for example, LinkedIn seems to be a very good platform for us to utilize that kind of content to talk to a little bit of a different demographic. So it's really a potpourri of all the platforms, in all honesty, that we do for What If Foods right now. And as a brand, look for the consumers where they are, who you want to target, and also create or make your content in a way that is suitable for each platform because it's, it doesn't work if you, if you have a super long piece, obviously, to put that on Instagram or TikTok as opposed to LinkedIn. So you have to package it in the right way as well. I think it's such an important thing that you just pointed out because a lot of times what you'll see is people will create one piece of content and they'll just try to just, you know, ricochet post it everywhere and not taking into yeah. consideration that not only is the content platform different, one is going to cater more to a shorter form versus a long form, but also, like you're saying, the audience on those individual platforms is different. The person who is going to TikTok yeah. and going to IG Reels and Stories is really just a different consumer of content than a person who's consuming content on LinkedIn. So you have to think about it as not only just the formatting the content for the platform, but also what content you're releasing to the type of person who's consuming that content, right? Yeah, totally correct. And I just read, actually, I think yesterday or two days ago, I just read some um, social media, social marketing trends for 2023, and that was actually a point. I've been doing this already since a while because to me it was just normal and natural to package content differently for each platform because, I don't know, that was just a, a given for me. But it was one of the main three findings was cross-promoting. Yes, absolutely necessary, but doing it in the right way and like what you just said, you have to package it in the right way. Also, attention span these days is, I don't know, two seconds it seems like. So <laughs> you really have to make sure that the content that you want to transport sits on the right medium that has the right format and educates in the right way, like I said, like on TikTok or Instagram or, or even Facebook. 
you don't want to be too fact heavy. You don't, you just want to transport something positive. And I, I also think that we live in a, in a media environment that very often just transports like really negative news. I mean, there's, negativity everywhere these days it seems like so of course like everybody gets depressed <laughs> in a certain way so we really like make it a point that we want to put out positivity in the world because people always like consumers always ask themselves well i'm just such a small person in this bigger picture how can i actually make a change but just by simply buying some of the products that we mentioned Within what is food, you can actually make a change because that contributes to the greater picture and to the greater good. And Tracy, you're going to go over some information about how people can connect? That's why I have a little bit of secret intel that there's like a really big promotion happening for Black Friday. So, Sabina, I think we should definitely let our audience know how to get in touch with you and how to take advantage of this uh, amazing promo coming out. So, yeah, awesome. So I think the easiest thing would be to find us on our website, which is www.whatif-foods.com. And we do have, and we haven't been sharing this with anybody else yet, but we do have a really legit promo coming up for Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And it's going to be 50% off all of our products on our online store, plus, I believe, free shipping. So this is an amazing deal. And like I said, you can find us on the website. You can also connect with me on LinkedIn. And send us an email at hello at whatifoods.com. Woohoo! 50% off and free shipping cannot get much better than that. And then if you are, for whatever reason, if you're driving and you're listening to the show, we do not want you to have to worry about writing it down. That's why we release this as a podcast so that you can go back and re-listen to all this amazing information that you've gathered from today's episode. Wherever you listen to podcasts on your favorite platforms, please. Find us, Ask Brian, B-R-I-E-N, Ask Brian Podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, you name it. And find us, follow us, and if you love us, leave us a review. If you don't love us, tell us not in the review. (laughs) (laughs) Right? We don't want our brand affected that way, do we? Which is probably a pretty good question to ask a branding expert is how do you handle (laughs) negative reviews? Not that we've ever gotten any. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's super important. It's actually really important to get back to those guys and really make an effort. And we do that on our website as well. If somebody has a question or leaves a review that is not great, we've had that in the past and we instantly go back to R&D and reformulate. We actually had that in the past. And then we're going to send them free product to try it again. <laughs> so I have a question well, for you, and that is of all social media, what do you think is the best social media for a food company like yourself? Oh, wow. Tricky question. I would say it's the attorney right now, I, I, I would still go with Instagram because there are certain things that you, you can just instantly buy. And it, it, it lessens the friction for somebody to, to go on your website and, and buy the product. You can just instantly buy from that platform. Oh, that's interesting. And what do you think is the weakest social media form? for a food company like yourself? Um, I want to say, ooh, tough one too. Maybe in this day and age, Twitter, because it's a very short form and the content is just completely different. That is really tough to say. And it's imploding as we speak, that too. (laughs) And that too. (laughs) 
So, Tracy, did you have a question or want me to continue? Well, I would like to get your insights on Twitter since it's such a timely platform is in the news so much. Do you have any ideas or brands going to stick with it? Are they going to go, are they going to see it through? I mean, it's been around for a long time, right? So I think they're going to find a way to stick around. I would agree. I think he's known for making things successful, but I guess he burns them to the ground first and then builds them back the way he wants them. (laughs) Possibly. I would not be surprised. (laughs) What is your growth expectations for the next 12 months? So in the U.S., and we're focusing mostly on the U.S. right now, we are very, very excited because we're getting into retail. And I think that's going to propel us up by hopefully 10x from where we are right now because obviously like starting out as a very young brand and when you only have limited availability online, it's hard to get the brand out. But we just made some major steps into retail and we will be available in shops predominantly for now on the East Coast, starting now pretty much. And into the first quarter, we want to be in more than 500 shops on the East Coast. And if that's the case, we'll definitely let you know where we are available. And hopefully, yeah, like I said, that's going to propel us up. So you're going to be in probably 500 and your revenue is, can you give out that kind of information or is that that's, that's secret sauce information? If it is, I understand. Oh, yeah. No, I actually honestly can't because um, I'm not up to date with it. (laughs) And we're just doing our financials for the end of the year. And I still don't have an overview on that. (laughs) And what is the split between the noodles and this this milk company? The noodles and the milk, I want to say it's pretty much half-half. We do have a little bit of a better traction on the milk because we can supply more because our noodles factory just has um, some limiting factors in terms of capacity. In five seconds, do you use a co-pack or do you manufacture yourself? We manufacture the noodles ourselves. For the milk, we use a co-packer. Okay. Well, that's it. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks, Sabina. We'll be on a podcast as well. Next week is Thanksgiving, so everyone have a happy Thanksgiving. You're listening to the Aspiron Radio Show on KHS 1220 and 98.1 FM. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Ask Brian radio show. You can listen to us every Thursday on KTHS AM 1220 and FM 98.1 or via Facebook Live or anytime wherever you listen to your podcasts. Visit askbrian.com to join the conversation and ask us your business questions and we'll answer them on our next episode. That's askbrien.com.